All right, good morning. How is everyone doing? Good, man. Good to be back with you. We missed you last Sunday. Um, but uh, I know uh, Dr. Jeff Katz filled in for me. He's a professor at CBU, so hopefully he did a wonderful job last Sunday bringing the word. Um, our Costa Rica missions team uh, just came back um, last night. And uh, I'm assuming many of us are still sick and queasy in our stomach. Uh, some are battling it out. Some are, some are okay, which is good. So um, today's going to be a little different. Today, instead of me preaching today, I really wanted to take the opportunity for the team to really share about their experience. When you look at the book of Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and these guys, they would go out and uh, then they would come back and they would bring a report and they would share with the church all that God had done um, on the missionary journey. So I thought we're going to do that this morning. Might share kind of a quick devotional thought at the end, but this will be a great time for our team to share. Uh, we took 15 to Costa Rica and uh, it's a team of um, high school students and young uh, singles and uh, a few of us old people went on the trip with them. So uh, it was really good, really exciting. Um, and um, so like I said, we left last weekend uh, got there Saturday night, uh, really late, uh, and then worshiped with the church there in Costa Rica. Uh, we had some transportation problems Sunday morning. We were supposed to get picked up, and uh, they couldn't get a hold of the bus driver. So uh, they had the church. The church got in their vehicles, and they came to the hotel. We had a big kind of a meeting area, and so we had church, uh, church, with, uh, church with their church Sunday morning. And it was great to worship with them. And, uh, and then I was able to share the word uh, that Sunday morning. And uh, I talked about Moses and how he felt really inadequate. And I was feeling very inadequate with the translator that morning. So it was a, it was a good humbling teaching moment for me. But um, uh, we got back last night. Like I said, it was, a, it was a week of sharing the gospel in the marketplace, doing pet festivals, um, so many one-on-one -on -one encounters with people. We were paired up with translators, uh, and the majority of these translators are, are young people. Uh, they just have a passion for Jesus and for the gospel, and so they're, they're, they're bilingual, they could, they're fluent in Spanish, and they could speak English just beautifully. And uh, so it was so awesome. We paired up in teams, and they gave us a translator, and uh, we got to share the gospel. I think, I think, over 400 people gave their life to Christ this past week. It was amazing. It was amazing. So there was um, two other churches that went to Costa Rica with us, a church in Oklahoma, a church from Florida. And so we kind of had that uh, West Coast, East Coast kind of a battle, you know. The, the Floridians thought that us Californians, they you know, they think all Californians are weird. And, uh, but they got to meet our team and they're like, wow, you, you guys aren't weird. You know, you're not crazy. Well, yeah, there's Christians in California, you know? So anyways, um, and, and like I said, uh, church from Oklahoma, and then they, there were translators. So the mother church started in El Salvador, which by the way, um, Steve and Pam Kern, who went to El Salvador 38 years ago, uh, to plant a church uh, when there was a, a massive war going on in El Salvador. God called them. He was an engineer. They, lit, they, 
Uh, they, they were living in California, making really good money, bought a home. I mean, living the American dream. And God called them to go to El Salvador in the midst of a war, not knowing how to speak Spanish. And, and here they are today. The church is a, a very big church in El Salvador, and they're planting churches everywhere. I mean, Metro 020, it's called Good News in Action. So if you want to Google Good News in Action today, um, you'll be able to get more information on that. Steve Kern is actually going to be preaching for us August the 27th. So he's going to be preaching for me that Sunday. I'll be here. And I just thought that would be a great opportunity for you guys to meet him. Um, you could put a face with a name. And this is going to be a long-term partnership, Lord willing. You know, if Jesus doesn't come back. Amen. Lord Jesus, come, right? But uh, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, we're, we're looking forward to partnering with him. Um, uh, long-term partnership. By the way... Um, this is kind of my, my time to share some announcements before the team shares. I got to get out a lot of information to you. Um, our first trip with Stephen Pam Kern was last year. We went to Bogota, Colombia. And uh, I have to say, Colombia was better than Costa Rica on food, weather, hotel accommodations. But uh, it was a blessing being in Costa Rica. It was, it was really hot weather, but it was really, it was a blessing so we went to Colombia, that was our first trip, and then Costa Rica was our second trip. Next year, we are stepping out by faith, and we're gonna do two trips. We don't know if we can fill those, but we believe with God, all things are possible. And um, I was thinking the other day, either on the bus in Costa Rica, uh, somewhere, I started thinking, how many people do I want from Summit Point Church to go on an international mission trip. And the first number that popped in my head was 100%. I want everyone in our church to go on an international mission trip, uh, especially with this partnership with uh, the Kearns. And then I started thinking, well, that's not really possible. You know, 100%, not everyone's gonna go. And so it's hard for me to land on a number, but I'm gonna challenge you. This is a challenge. We challenge you to invest, identify, invest, pray, invite your oikos. Your eight to 15 that God has dropped into your world. It's a supernatural, strategic thing. Your world is not my world. Your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your coworkers, your classmates, that's not my world. Those are your people. This is why when Jesus healed the demoniac, the guy who was demon-possessed from the Gadareans, and um, the people just isolated him. They kicked him out of the village. He was living amongst the cemetery, crazy out of his mind, being tortured and, and possessed by the, by the enemy. When Jesus set him free, this guy wanted to go be with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, you need to go to your household. You need to go to your people. I think it's the gospel, Mark, that says, go to your people. That's oikos in the Greek. So you got to go to your people, just like I got to go to my people. And here's the crazy thing. Over the years, I've noticed that there's, um, there's a connection between my oikos, your oikos. Some of our oikos is like the networks are connected sometimes, and we don't even know it. And, you know, just like you have lost people, friends, family that you want to see come to faith in Christ, 
you have to be the tool to share the gospel with them. You may be the only tool in their life, you know? Um, I think it's rare for, for many people to hear the gospel from a stranger, but they should hear the gospel from loved ones. And so we emphasize Oikos. That's here in the States, in our city, San Diego. This is home turf, right? This is our backyard. This is our people. But we have to have a heart for the nations. God has a heart for the nations. God's plan wasn't just Israel. God's eternal redemptive plan was the Gentiles. The Jews failed at evangelizing the Gentiles. And so because of that, the gospel went to the Gentiles. And so, yes, we want to say yes to home turf, oikos, investing in our people. But we also want to say yes to going on short-term mission trips. You know, I think it was John Desiregi who said on our trip, he said, um, you know, God's not just an American God. Sometimes, we, sometimes people can kind of get this, he's, he's the God of the U.S. No, he's the God of the world, Right? He's the God of Costa Rica, China, Iraq. He's, he's the God of all people. And so his heart beats for the lostness of humanity. And so my challenge is invest in your oikos, which takes time. You have to be deliberate. You have to pray and give them to God. You have to seek opportunities to share your faith, invite them to church, bring them to your small group, bring them to a big event, right? Be a bridge, but say yes to a short-term missions trip. So next year, we're going on two trips. One trip in March, Mexico City, Mexico, which is right down the street. So there's no excuse for people to say, I can't do that. No, you can do that. We can all go to Mexico. So that's, um, I believe, March 2nd. Uh, that's gonna be the first trip. And um, most likely, Brad will be leading that. If Brad can't, we'll find someone else. But Brad is our go-to missions team leader and he is doing a phenomenal job for our team. So I want to say thank you. Here's the deal. None of these trips would have happened without Brad, without his leadership, without his passion, without his organization. This guy's a numbers guy, man. He's a numbers guy. He loves lost people. And he's just done a phenomenal job training our teams, getting them ready, and so, you know, we're not just taking you to the field. Like, we're, we're training you. We're, we're, you're going to be prepared. And it's been good for our youth. Um, so Mexico City, Mexico, March 2nd. And the next, the next trip is October the 5th. We're going to be going to San Salvador, El Salvador. So we're actually going to go to, we're going to, go to the motherland. We're going to go where it all started. And uh, it's going to be great. So I want you to put that on your calendar. We're going to be mentioning that quite a bit. But March 2nd, Mexico, October 5th. El Salvador, all right? Okay, team, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with Brad, and then we're gonna go to John, and then Solomon, and then from Solomon, we're gonna work our way down, and we're gonna zigzag to Wame, and then the last person will be, we're gonna zigzag again. Who's gonna be the last person? Mark. Okay, Mark, you're gonna bring us home, baby. Let's go, baby. No pressure on Mark, but Mark's gonna bring us home. All right, Brad, let's get, it, get us started here. Give it up for Brad. Well, good morning, everyone. We had a wonderful time last week in Costa Rica. We had a great team. The youth did phenomenal. I'm so proud of them. So we had some that was their very first trip. 
Others that were just kind of on the quiet side, but they became these flaming evangelists. And uh, I'm so proud of you for what you did. Thanks for, for taking the courage to come along with us. It was great. And thank all of you, too, because many of you gave abundantly so that we could go on the trip. We actually raised over what we needed, so that was so good. Plus, you prayed for us. So this really is a team effort. It's not just us that get to go, but it's you who give and you who pray. Because if you think about an army, think about the army, the guy out on the front line in the middle of the battle. He's shooting the bullets. But you know what? Somebody's got to make those bullets and make the gun. Somebody's got to grow the food to feed him. So we all are involved in this. It's not just us. We all get to do this. And I want to thank each one of you for helping us go. Um, one of the things that I've taught the team was they need to be, on this particular trip, fat. Who wants to be fat? No. What it is, you need to be flexible, adaptable, and teachable. Because the thing about these trips, something always the schedule always changes. I've been on quite a few trips, and uh, the schedule changed more than it's ever changed before. <laughs> Part of it was it was because of the rain. This is the, and so we asked uh, Pam Kern, why don't we go when it doesn't rain? She said, it always rains. It just, so either you, you just had to put up with it, so bring an umbrella. And they said, if it rains, we're still going to go. Um, we would go out in the markets in the morning. In the afternoons, we'd do a pet festival. We would have, uh, if you think about, if you ever watch the uh, uh, Westminster Kennel Club, they've got all the dogs that are parade around. So we, they put together this little green carpet with some little rope lines. So we invited people from the community to come and bring their pet. We'd have a pet festival. So they'd try to get their dogs to do some tricks. And some of their dogs, well, some of them weren't as, were not as handsome as the others. <laughs> but they all had a good time. There was a huge crowd, probably 150 people that came. So we, everybody would do their tricks. And then while the judges were making their decision, we had someone get up and share the gospel. And then after that, we'd go out and, and uh, speak to them individually. So for me, being if you know, for those of you who know, who know me, I'm the typical American. I want to start on time. I want to end on time. Timeliness is next to godliness. Well, people south of the border, that's not exactly the way they do it. They're a little more relaxed, which is just fine. So one of the things that I need to do, Brad has to be flexible, adaptable, and teachable. So we don't quite start on time. We don't quite end on time. And I'm just kind of going, okay, we're not going to start on time, but it's going to be okay. I'm, you know, oh. But then we get to the end of the week, and we see that God saved, it was about 457. So I go, you know what? I have determined that God is not an American. Praise the Lord. God is who he is, and he does things on his timetable, not on my timetable, which is really good. So another thing that happened, we talked about the flexibility. We went to this one school. We were only supposed to go, we were supposed to go every day. Well, then it changed where we were just going to go one day. Well, then it changed to come back on Thursday and Friday. And then it changed, well, can you come back Thursday, Friday, and Friday night? And then one of the, one of the schools, they had a television station, a Christian television station, so they said, we'd like to have three of your leaders come and talk, and we'd like to interview you. I thought, okay, well, I, this is the kind of change I like. So we were going to have 30 minutes, and I didn't quite know just, you know, how the questions were going to go. 
So I thought of that one verse where Jesus says, if you get pulled before the synagogue, don't worry about what you're going to say. And so I thought, well, I don't know what we're going to say. So I gathered the, th the three of us together, and I just prayed, God, we don't know the questions you're going to ask, nor the answers we're going to give, but would you just speak through us the words that you want us to say? So I had it all figured out. Now, guy number one would go first, guy number two would go second, I was going to go number third and share the gospel. Well, our, our interviewer got it backwards. They asked me first, the second guy, and they asked the first guy, but come to find out the guy that, was, that, that actually shared the gospel did a much more concise job. And I thought, he did it much better than I did. So maybe, maybe I should relax and let God do what he wants to do and let him speak through us. So we all had a really good trip. Everybody has such a great attitude. Um, I'm just so glad. So I'd like to invite John to come up. And we've all got a few little stories we're going to share. So come on up, John. Bienvenido, Summit Point, Iglesia. Pura Vida. Oh, that's right. We're back in the U.S. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, we had translators, as, as Brad mentioned, we had translators from Guatemala, Colombia, El Salvador, and of course in Costa Rica. I mean, talk about the body of Christ working together. You had one church from OKC, Oklahoma City. Uh, if you said Tampa, they'd say, okay, we're from St. Pete or something, whatever. But then us. So from one side to the middle to the East Coast, and then multiple countries just to evangelize for five, six days there in Costa Rica. And uh, the saying, the statement in Costa Rica is pura vida, pure life. And it's a statement, you know, everyone says it's a salutation, it's a, it's a style, uh, ambiance of the country. But I thought, you know, I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to open up and share when we street evangelize? Because you're just sitting by a park bench or in a plaza, and so you got to spark a conversation. So, you know, you try to look for things that you might have in common or you just ask questions. And I started thinking, pura vida, pure life, is that possible? And I'd ask him that, what does pure life mean to you? What, how does that signify to you? And they say that, like I just said, you know, it's a statement, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we like to just say. And then that allowed me to talk about sin. I go, hey, if pura vida is your statement, is it possible on this earth? Are you a sinner? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sinner. Okay, so if you're a sinner, how can you live a pure life then here? You can't live a pure life here. You can only live a pure life in heaven. And so it was, for me, it, just like, it was like a light bulb came up. And some of the interpreters said, can I use that one? Go, sure. Hey, it, you know, it, so everybody, you know, has their style. Everyone has however God opens, how Holy Spirit leads. And uh, it was great to see, uh, I, it was great to see some of the students and young adults get out of their comfort zone. I mean, let's just face it, going up to a stranger and say, can I share, just talk with you? It's, it's a little tough. But what's great is the, the, the Ticos, the, the Costa Ricans, that's what they call them, so they're the Ticos, they're, for the most part, we're really open to talk to you. Can I have a few moments of your time? Go, yeah, sure. I don't think any of us reported anyone being really rude or, or, or pushy or anything uh, to not hearing what we had to say. And so that, that, was, uh, that was great, uh, seeing that, uh, that happen. And I, I really wanted to thank, I want to thank here the young adults here and the students here, because they stepped out of their comfort zone. 
Yeah. They stepped out of their comfort zone to, to do this. And now we're hoping, I'm hoping, that they can extend this, they can continue with this on their campus, in their neighborhood, with their sport teams, whatever it is. Because it just doesn't stop on the missions trip. Just because you're back, okay, I'm done, it was great. No. In fact, actually, the number I heard, frankly, was uh, 459. Um, could have changed, whatever. So anyways, I'm going to have a couple stories. As you can tell, I don't, I'm not short for words. Uh, but we had 450 nights. We're on the plane. Uh, we're, we're, we're sitting there. And uh, I start talking to the lady sitting next to me. You know, you just start talking. And, hey, what are you doing? She's from uh, San Luis Potosí, which is a state central part of Mexico. And she was actually coming to visit a friend that she sees every year in uh, Solana Beach. And so I start talking to her about, you know, what she like to do here when she's here and whatever. And then she asked me, well, what were you, what were you guys doing? And I said, well... Funny that you asked. We were just coming from Costa Rica, and we were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make a long story short, it became 460. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it had nothing to do with the trip. You know, we were yeah, on the flying back from the trip, but it, she wasn't a, a, a Costa Rican. She was just someone I was sitting next to. So you're going to be sitting next to someone in the class. You're going to be sitting, standing in front of, uh, on the sideline with your sports team. Just build that relationship and share. Now, um, so I want to go back here to something that Brad mentioned here. This is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It goes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I, Paul, am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's evangelism. That's what we did. We went and, and led by the Spirit to sit there and say, okay, how do I connect with this person? And, and, and prayer. And so, like Brad mentioned, we can't do what we do out in, in the trenches there without the help of the church. The prayer, the support, the financial support, the, the encouragement. Uh, in God's accounting, he gives us all the glory and, and credit for what we do here. So you're part of this directly or indirectly, you're a part of this. So 100%, that's a, the great optimist there, our Pastor Elisha. But you know what? What if a quarter of you, let's go with the 80-20 rule. What if 20% of you go and 80% of you support? You know, that, that would be an amazing thing. So we're looking forward to that. Now, uh, as, as Brad mentioned, we had opportunities to go into schools. And what it was is uh, the Costa Rican public school uh, they have built a relationship with uh, the local churches there uh, that are partnering with uh, GNIA. And so we're able to go in and share the gospel in a public school. That's unheard of here in the United States. I work in the public schools with Urban Youth Collaborative. I'm doing that just about every day, every week. And I can't share like I just did for uh, this last few days. Uh, it was amazing. 
it opened up the doors and we had a sort of a uh, preset sort of schedule. Okay, you're going to do this icebreaker and you're going to do this game and, and whatnot. So it, it went really well. I mean, we, we ended up sharing uh, twice at a Costa Rican public school. We ended up sharing once in an adult school, kind of a finish your GED sort of thing felt. Solomon's going to be sharing a little bit about that here in detail. And then right next to the public school, uh, the public Costa Rican school was a Chinese private school. And all it was is just a locked gate. It was pretty much probably the, the, the same complex of the, of the Costa Rican school, but they had just turned the, that back school as a public uh, or as a private Chinese school. I don't know how long uh, it's been there. The pastor had said for years. I didn't ask him exactly what that meant. But uh, I have friends that I was asking, they're saying, yeah, the, the, the Chinese population has grown here in Costa Rica. So the Chinese, they would speak fluent Mandarin. Well, of course. Uh, but they also spoke fluent Spanish. And then some of them spoke English. And so uh, we end up doing the interpretation. You know, we would share in English, and then uh, the interpreters would share in Spanish. Well, one of the interpreters, this, this, this gal was amazing, Deanna. She ended up being the interpreter. Uh, Mark Solomon and I were a team with Deanna, and she was our interpreter. And uh, she's 19 years old, working on her, uh, to be a doctor, and she's speaking five languages, of which one was, she was fluent in French, Italian, Spanish, English, and was working on Mandarin. And so we're going into, into this school, and she was really wanting to share, but she ended up being the interpreter for the television program that, that when it was on national TV that, that Brad was talking about. So she was unable to go in. And so she's going, oh, I wanted to share so bad in the Chinese church. It was just a dream of mine. And I forgot it was her idea or what, but I said, look, why don't you just in, in, uh, translate John 3.16? And so she, in her Mandarin that night, she sat there with all the pictorial language that it is, and she wrote out John 3.16. Um, and so I got, I, I got it on my phone, and uh, the pastor, Pastor Koki, he ended up having the original paper that she, she had written. And so when we got to the point after uh, we finished the, like a Bible story, uh, before they were going to share the gospel, I just kind of came in and said, wait, let's have a student here read John 3.16. And so we gave a piece of paper to one student, and that student was kind of struggling a little bit with it. And now the kids are starting to talk a little bit. Well, let me read that. I can look at that. So another, people, another student grabbed it, and they kind of got a little better. And then this other girl goes, no, 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 let me read it. She grabbed it, and she just ripped it right out, like, like boom, 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 boom. And they all started agreeing. Yeah, we, we agree on that, that. We understand that. And so when the gospel was shared, there was 22 students in there. Ten of those students raised their hand to accept Jesus Christ, you know. And, and, and that, yeah, clap on that one. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and that was the second time. The first day we had like uh, about 25 students and 12 raised their hand there. The other class, there was two teams going in teaching to the Chinese. So uh, there was probably close to 60 uh, students that raised their hand just on the Chinese side of the, of the school. And so, like, as I, so that was just amazing. And the, and the pastor said, in years of trying, I always ask, and they always say, no, we can't get through that locked gate. We can see the kids. We can't get in. And for whatever reason, just in God's timing, he said, yeah, go in today. 
Going today, yeah. So, so most of us went to, uh, I, I got a fortune to go on the Chinese side of, of the school. Most of the teams that were going were going on to the Costa Rican side. And uh, as, as uh, Brian was saying in the beginning, it was supposed to be all of us and then only part of us. In the end, it ended up being all of us going. And so, you know, one of the things we, we all learn and we try to encourage is, you know, be tuned into the spirit, right? See, see how he's leading. And these students uh, heard the gospel. Many of them came to know the Lord. And so we're all gathering at the end. The we're sharing. We're going like, wow, this is great. It's amazing. And so we're waiting for the bus. The bus is there. And there's still a couple of the interpreters missing. They hadn't shown up. And we're going like, what's going on? Said, okay, so one of the other interpreters goes and sees what happened to him. And so he's going, and they're talking to a student. His hair was just really long. He's hanging in front of his face. And uh, he, they're, they're kind of telling him, like, come on, we got to go. And they're going, no. And they go, come on, we got to go. And they're going, no. And they were sharing with this, this uh, young man. And he had uh, heard the gospel message. And in the classroom, you know, with your head, eyes, uh, your head, uh, eyes closed, your head bowed, raise your hand. He didn't raise his hand. And so when they left and were, all the class was dismissed, he came up to these uh, Spanish interpreters and said, uh, I didn't want to raise my hand in front of my classmates, but uh, I do want to ask a couple questions. And uh, right now, uh, I have no hope in my life. In fact, I'm trying to plan my suicide today. And uh, so they were like, okay, what, what, you know, what's, what's going on here? And anyways, uh, through just a few minutes of conversation, he accepted Jesus Christ. They even saw a smile on his hair. He moved his hair out of his face, and they saw a smile on his face. So to, to see these incidences, and then one after another, the Chinese church and, and this and that, and it was like, God was just moving. And, and some of these uh, uh, pastors said, I've been doing this for years. I have never seen the movement that we've seen here. And the enemy was trying to hit us with weather. I mean, it wasn't that bad of rain, but you're not going to have people come out with their pets if it's like, you know, a steady downpour. Um, so, we, again, we, we had to be flexible. But uh, uh, I, I just think that uh, every one of us, if you haven't ever been, you need to go on a, on a short-term mission trip. And there's two opportunities next year, so hopefully uh, we can all we can all go. So, thank you, Solomon. You're up. Hello, I just want to uh, just thank you so much, guys, for like everything, like just praying for us and supporting us in the back. Because without you guys, we probably wouldn't have been able to do this trip. And I just want to just keep touching on what they said. It was just awesome how we saw God just working through us. And it's like something you've never, ever seen before. Like when I used to read like the book of Acts, I always see like how God is so working in Philip and Paul. And I thought I was like, man, why am I, why is this not happening to me? But I recognized I was like, I'm sitting on my couch reading this. So I just finally went up to his harvest. And when you start doing God's labor, you will see his hand working. And it's so awesome. And I think one of the testimonies that, I saw and had it was so amazing and just signifies the importance of prayer. And I remember one of our trips when we went to the schools, we're on our bus, right? And in front of our bus, we saw this white van and they kicked this young girl out. And this girl was just screaming at the guy in the car. And I was just wondering, I was like, why she got kicked out and left on the side of the road? 
And I was just looking at her because we were at a stop sign, just kept staring at her, and I just like felt so bad because I was just wondering what happened to her. I could tell she had a school uniform and everything. And at that moment when we're heading to our school, I just kept praying to God and saying, Lord, please, like, please, like, allow someone to have, give her peace in this life. Allow her to hear the gospel and just let her soul be saved. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. And when we arrived to our school, like, two or three minutes or I don't know how long it was, we reached there. When we're getting set up in my group, we're just getting ready to do the bully testimony and share the gospel afterwards. I kid you not, when we're setting up, I saw that same girl come in our classroom. And I was just, I was blown. I was like, I was like telling Mark, I was like, Mark, dude, that's the girl, that's the girl. And I just like, I was so shocked. And I was just so happy that John was going to preach the gospel because I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And basically, I remember when, when it was time when they were all hearing, I was, just, I was just staring at her the whole time. And she was always focused. You could see like the Lord just working her heart. She was like getting convicted and everything. And when it's time to like raise your hands if you prayed the prayer, I couldn't, from my view, I couldn't see what she was doing from where I was sitting in. The translator counted out 10 people, but later I found out that she was also raising her hand too, but she was too scared and like shy to raise her hand up. And John is the one who found that out, and he came up to her and said, I forgot what John said, something like, yeah, Jesus loves you. And praise God that I was just so happy that God answered, my, uh, answered all our prayers to be able to allow her to hear the gospel at that moment. And just, it just shows you that prayer is powerful and it works. And if it wasn't for you guys praying for us on our trip, the Lord will have not allowed, allowed us to plant that seed. And I like, a, I like a phrase using sayings that we are the translators for God. We're just preaching the word of God. We're not, it's not us who plants, it's not us who sees our waters, it's the God who gives the increase. And I just want to thank you guys so much for just allowing, praying for us. And thank you for everything, guys. Thank you. Oh, Manny's showing up now, Manny. Good morning, everyone. So I guess I'll start my, my story um, with starting to go to Costa Rica and why I wanted to go. I've been with Summit Point about eight months now, and I've been fortunate enough that the band has welcomed me and allowed me to help. Um, it's been one of the greatest joys I've had, honestly, in my life. And I wanted to keep going and keep trying out new things. I feel incredibly blessed that since I accepted Jesus, Sorry, I've got to get it closer. All right, Th thank you. So I've been incredibly grateful that God has given me a second chance in my life to accept Jesus and to try to learn what it means to be Christian. This, I started this mission trip as an attempt to give back. That was my whole motivation for it, was to go to Costa Rica. And, you know, I was saying to myself, oh, I'm gonna, I can speak Spanish. You know, I can help out the, the other people that are here with me. If we need a translator, I can... I can do that for them, I can give this, I can give that. And when I got there, the most surprising thing for me throughout this trip has been how much more I've received than I've even been able to give. And God just works in so many strange ways that I have no idea, I have no understanding about how it happened. I was there and I started talking to, one that really stands out to me was this, uh, a mother and a daughter, Venezuelan refugees that arrived to Costa Rica. They're trying to work their way to America. And they were telling me how they've been there for years. They've been trying, they've been working, and how it's so hard to make progress without papers in a country. And I was thinking, okay, so they've had a hard life. I wonder what their relationship is like with Jesus. So I asked them. And the mother was the one I was talking to the most, and she told me, oh, throughout everything we've experienced, throughout all the hardships, we've never lost faith in God. 
And from her testimony of sharing everything that she's been through and how she hasn't lost her faith, I just found myself being strengthened and I realized how weak my faith really was. And she gave me a lot more than I could have given or ever given her. And it's been like that throughout the entire trip, talking to everyone that I've had a chance to talk to. It's been people who are so strong in their faith with Jesus and I just, it humbles me. It humbled me the entire trip. And I ended up asking God, I prayed almost every single day, multiple times for more and more strength because I just, I'm not a very social person. So one of my greatest struggles was on the bus or the entire time we were going, going every time, every two hours we were going somewhere else or we were coming back for a short little break. And it was, you have to socialize, you have to talk to people, you have to meet new people. And I was just finding myself frozen on the bus, just begging. I would sit on the window seat. This was my strategy. I don't know if anyone ever, ever noticed it on the trip at all, but I would get on the bus first. I would sit on the window seat and just be, just be sitting there and just hope that no one would see me. All the other seats would get taken. And then finally, someone would come up to me and say, hi, you know, like, this is my name and this is why I'm here. Tell me about your story. And it would just be they, that little spot of time that I needed just to think about nothing disappeared. I kept praying to God, give me the strength to be polite to this person, respectful. Not that I was going to be mean. I'm not a mean person naturally, but it's just I was drained. And throughout the trip, God had just provided. He provided me exactly what I asked for. He provided me a chance to grow as a Christian and to learn more. And for that, I'm thankful. And I'm thankful to all of you because I'm one of the people who needed help financially. I tried busking. Didn't really work out so well. So I didn't really, I, I tried asking people, I raised some money from friends, but it was really surprising when Brad told me that our church was so generous that I was able to go and not have to worry about the financial strain. So I want to thank you all, and I know that you guys were with us during the entire trip. Thank you, and God bless. The next person I'm going to ask up is Tyler. Uh, so one of the stories I want to share about is also about a refugee family. Uh, so we walked up to this lady and we asked her, like, uh, do you mind, do you have a minute to talk? Like, uh, can we speak with you for a minute? And she was like, she, uh, she said yes, and she was very curious to why we were there and why, like, these young Americans were walking around talking to everybody. Uh, she had seen us, like, in the previous days and was hoping that we would come up to her one of the days. And so um, she began asking, like, why we were there, like, what were we doing? And this kind of led into, like, a perfect segue to share the gospel with her. And so after we shared the gospel with her, uh, she prayed to accept Christ, which was, like, very moving. And then uh, during and after the prayer, she began to cry. And uh, after... After the prayer, she began to tell us about her journey from Venezuela to Costa Rica. Um, she had to travel through the jungle by herself carrying her son, um, who was about like maybe like two or three years old. And she said that uh, she told us about how scared she was for her life. And she said at one point that she was certain she was going to die. Uh, and she told us about her upcoming journey to the U.S., uh, she had mentioned about how in Venezuela she was all alone, only with her son, and throughout the journey she had been alone. And then she was now saying about her upcoming trip, like smiling through the tears, saying uh, that she wouldn't be alone this time because she would have God with her. 
And this impacted me greatly because it didn't matter like what she had or what she didn't have. What mattered to her at this point in time was that she now had God. And uh, this was crazy to me that she was this open with us only about like 10 minutes with talking with her. And it kind of also hit me that like, you don't need like a whole two years to share the gospel with somebody. All you need is five minutes. Like many of the conversations we had were just five minutes long and uh, they were just so open and so like curious to why we were there. And also I want to thank you guys for supporting this trip. It was amazing and I'll definitely be trying to go on the next one too. Um, I want to invite up Joshua Rimstad. What up? In the Bible, there's um, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My dad, the Son, and Joe Mark. <laughs> no, but um, I loved going on the trip, learned so much. Um, one impactful story for me was when we were going to the family festivals. So one of the days, we went to um, this little overhead park type area, and we roll up, and if you know something about Costa Rica, they love their soccer. Their soccer, their soccer, their soccer. They call it football, which we kind of called it soccer to them, and they kind of got a little irritated. But um, no, but every park we went to, there was a game of soccer going on, and um, we would jump right in. But um, there was always, it was always just the little kids playing, and um, every time I rolled up, it was a, it was a pretty emotional experience because um, you'd see these kids, and that's really all they had was um, them and their friends just playing with like this little ball. Uh, they didn't really have much. Um, it was pretty sad to see because here in America, you'll like go to a park and kids will be complaining that they can't go on the slide 50 million times. But um, in Costa Rica, it's just their pure joy out of, um, oh. oh, sorry, sorry about that. Um, their pure joy in just playing with their friends and playing soccer. Um, I love to see it. Um, one major experience was when I rolled up to the park and I asked one of the kids um, if they wanted this soccer ball. And they didn't really experience at first because they didn't really get those experiences because, I mean, they don't really get these new soccer balls too often. So when I handed it to them, um, they were super grateful. Um, their faces lit up, and it was, um, it was a really cool thing to experience. But um, really my prayer and my, like, hope for their future um, is that they'll be able to find the same joy um, in Christ one day, in Jesus, because that's really, that's their hope for their future. Um, this is really why I didn't want to talk about it too much. Now, um, yeah, just prayer. So if you guys can just pray for them, pray for God to work it in their hearts, it would mean a lot. Um, When I was, um, when we were leaving for the last day or the day before the last day, I got asked by um, another lady on our mission team um, how confident and comfortable I was sharing the gospel with Costa Rican people. And at that point, I was super confident. I mean, I was going up to everybody. I was trying to share the gospel. Um, did it for like three or four days already, super comfortable. And then she reversed the question and asked me how comfortable and confident I was to walk up to my friends when I get back home and um, share the gospel. And I... I was so shook by the question, I just, I couldn't speak for a good, like, eight seconds, and I, she, and in that moment, I realized, like, I have, I'm not comfortable with it, um, and she really shared with me, um, and the thought that's been on my mind is, 
how confident we are to share the gospel to the people around us is how comfortable we are with the outcome of someone's eternal life. Um, so if you're not confident to share the gospel with them, um, you're comfortable with them going to hell. Um, but if we are comfortable um, and we want them to know Jesus, we're not comfortable with them going to hell. Um, I pray over my friends. Um, the last thing I would want is, is to walk out of this life knowing I could have done more for my community and my friends and my family because um, um, God tells us to be humble. We shouldn't only care about us being to heaven. I think that's a main goal for our lives is we see like, oh, I want to be, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. But we should want that same hunger for the people around us and our friends and our family to go to heaven also, to experience that with them because it's about the body of Christ, not just us. Um, in Matthew 10, 30, 10, verse 32 and 33, it says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Um, the word deny is defined as refusing or to give grant or grant something to someone. Um, so a lot of people will be like, deny. Like no one's ever like said, do you follow Jesus? And I say, no. Um, that's not really what deny means. Deny is defined as not sharing something with someone. So us simply not going out to our community or our friends or our family and sharing about the good news of Jesus Christ is denying Jesus in front of men. So if we keep living this life of not sharing with our friends and family, God will do the same to us when we enter the gates of heaven. He will deny us also. Um, it was a good reality check for me um, just to know that I should be going out to my community, my friends, my oikos, and sharing with them more. Um, we have to be bold, though, and it's not easy. Um, it wasn't easy for me at the beginning, but you get more comfortable with it. Um, and the more you do it, the more you want it for the people around you. Um, I think three things I want to leave you guys with is we have to proclaim the truth, we have to live the truth, and we have to have hope in the truth. Just like the kids at the park, their only hope is in Jesus. Um, but the truth is in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father except through him. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. I'm going to have my sidekick now come up. Jamark. All right, good morning, everybody. So the trip was very trying, and uh, you had to be very bold. And that's definitely something that I was struggling with in the beginning of the week. I remember my dad just telling me, um, this is going to be a very trying week. You're going to have to be super bold. You're going to have to go out there and put yourself outside of your comfort zone and really try to, try to grow your faith in different ways. <clears throat> and um, so I was just really just trying to work on that throughout the week and pray. And um, in the marketplace and in the streets of Costa Rica, I was definitely more timid and letting my dad and my brother take more control. But um, one story I am going to share was I was in the supermarket one night with Mark, Joshua, and uh, the Morris brothers. And I ran into this philosopher. Um, and it was, well, when I found out he was a philosopher, I started kind of freaking out inside because I was like, I'm about to get schooled by this guy. But um, I really just took it slow and took it calm and just showed him love rather than trying to debate him and um, things like that. Because really, that's what Jesus did to us. He showed us love. He showed us grace. And um, one thing Solomon told me throughout the week is you're never going to change someone's heart through debate. 
Um, so as long as you just show them love, show them grace, show them what Jesus means, um, that's your best chance to show them um, the actual truth. Um, and then another thing that God uh, really showed me this week was the real truth, that not everyone is going to accept Christ on these mission trips or even back at home. Um, one night I was um, sharing the gospel. Well, I wasn't sharing the gospel. It was really Joshua. But um, we shared the gospel with this classroom. Um, it was the adult school. And there was these two young men in the back, and they were very um, disrespectful towards us and mocking us while we were preaching and telling them the good news. And it was very tough because, like, you know, like, I, I came to Costa Rica to share all this stuff with you. I took it out of my time to, to, to be here and try to, like, help your salvation and, and things like that and tell you, um, try to help you and things like that. Um, but when it was time to see who would accept Christ in that room, not one person rose their hand. And it just broke me inside. Like immediately my heart just broke and my heart sank. Um, I've never felt that before because I was really expecting at least like one or two people to, to raise their hand, but it was super brutal. It showed me how broken this world is and that everyone needs, everyone needs Christ. Um, and then another thing I want to share is uh, the mission field isn't in third world countries. It isn't in, um, isn't outside the U.S. It's also in your communities, in your home, in your families, um, in your friend group, at your school, and even at church. Um, so yes, I just want to leave you guys with that. Thank you for your support um, financially and spiritually. I really appreciate it. And I really encourage not just this group, but also everyone in this room to really consider going on the next mission trips next year. Um, it really changed my life. It was super cool. It was super deep. Um, and it really pushes you. So thank you guys. And Miss Priscilla. Good morning, everyone. Mine is going to be short, okay? Because I know you all want to go to lunch. <laughs> Folks, how many of you have ever done a prayers list? Prayers list. A prayer list, you know? What you want in your life to be done. Well, last year when I went to Bogota, my prayers was for a group to go on another mission this year. And that was an answered prayer for me. And I tell you, parents that sent your sons and your kids with us, thank you so much. They were, they behaved. <laughs> they were emboldened in sharing the gospel. My role this year was, I was the prayer warrior. I prayed for all these young men to be able to share the gospel because it's not easy to share the gospel. My prayers for next year is for everyone to join us on another mission trip. I want to thank all and everyone that has prayed for us and it has supported us financially. Thank you all, and God bless. I want to call on Wame. I feel really nervous. <laughs> so... 
In this trip, I really felt like God was working many miracles in our lives. My constant prayer was, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and in the hearts of others. Lord, show us where you are working and let us work with you. God did just that. So to be honest, it was not easy. Sometimes when it was time to evangelize or to share my story of bullying, my heart was filled with worry. I felt like crying and I was just thinking, I don't know what to say, I can't do this. But God reminded me of what he says in Matthew 19:26, where Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. By God's grace, many children in the Puerto Rican schools accepted Jesus into their hearts. Later on, God gave us the opportunity to share with a private Chinese school where many children heard the gospel for the first time. And in the streets, God brought us to people who wanted to know more about him. People who shared their stories of pain and their need of God's healing in their lives after experiencing many hardships. And Philippians 2.13 says, With, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And none of this was possible without God. Another one of the miracles that God worked was when Carla, our group translator, and our group, which was Ethan, Tyler, me, Carla, and Freddie, um, we went to share the gospel with an elderly indigenous lady. And as we introduced ourselves, Carla realized she couldn't understand what she was saying. She was speaking another language. But God just kind of told us like, to share the gospel anyways. And I believe that the Holy Spirit was working in that moment because she accepted Christ into her heart and she somehow repeated the prayer back in Spanish, which was amazing. So throughout this week, God just brought me to rely on his power, his strength, and his grace. So thank you to everyone who supported us on this missions trip. 458 or 460 children, students, and adults received the word of God and more seeds were spread into the lives of others. And I just want to leave us with this thought in Psalms 107, verse 1, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Thank you. How's it going? I'm Ethan. Um, so I definitely had my doubts with this mission trip. Um, First off, I was at school when they actually announced it was a thing, and uh, I kind of got tricked into going into it because Brad told me Tyler was going, and Tyler was like, eh, I think I'll go if Ethan goes. So uh, I was like, oh, Tyler's going, I'll say yes. Yeah, sure, why not? And uh, Tyler was actually waiting for me to say yes before he said yes, uh, so that was pretty funny. Um, I think another doubt I had was um, just with the whole good news in action, I think at first I was skeptical. skeptical. Um, I go to Cal Poly and with the church I'm at, we sometimes go out and share on campuses, whether that's Cuesta, which is the community college that's like um, up the street or at Cal Poly. And um, oftentimes it doesn't, gospel stands for good news, but it doesn't really feel like you're always sharing the good news because people just don't react the same way here. People are oftentimes very hard-hearted, and uh, they just don't really want to hear what you have to say, which can be really hard. 
I think really the best reaction like we get while we're sharing on campuses is uh, seeing someone come to church or come into a college group. Um, and so going into this, I was like, wow, um, okay, I don't know exactly how it'll be, but I guess let's go and we'll just find out. Um, and I think my mind was definitely blown with just how good of a trip it's been and how many lives were changed. Um, Wame touched on it a bit, but our group was me, Carla, Tyler, and Freddie. Um, Freddie didn't speak English, <laughs> so he wasn't much of a translator for us, uh, which presented its difficulties. Um, so oftentimes we were working for the first few days, it would be me, Wame, and Tyler working with one translator, um, which it doesn't sound bad, but it's just really hard to go up with four people and talk to one person. You really crowd them out, and it can really make them quite uncomfortable to hearing the gospel. So as the week went on, I kind of began to split off from them, and I began working with a boy from one of the other churches. His name was Clifford. Um, so Clifford was American. He was from Florida, and he had been speaking Spanish five years, I believe, and at the beginning of the week, he was working with a translator too, but um, Lord willing, by the end, he literally became my translator and was having fluent conversations in Spanish with the Costa Rican people, um, which I think was just amazing to me to see that and how uh, amazing that is. Um, on Friday, we got the blessing of being able to go into the school, and I shared in the beginning how I was kind of a little skeptical, doubting how effective this ministry would be, but... Um, we had the blessing of sharing with them, bringing the gospel, um, sharing the bullying presentation, and I had the um, honor of leading the sinner's prayer and just praying over them. And towards the end, I said, with every eye closed and every head bowed, um, if that was a decision you made, will you raise your hand? And out of our class of 20, eight raised their hand. And for some reason, I was like, oh, wow, only eight. Because I'd been hearing from my friends, like, oh, our whole class raised their hand. And I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, let's slow down. When did eight people in one classroom become a bad thing accepting Christ? That's eight more people than I think I've ever seen in my whole life, considering I've never even shared in a school in America. <laughs> um, and then I just want to leave you guys with this. There was one song I was listening to Friday night that just really stuck with me. It was a, call, a song I first heard at my college group um, that I go to up in Vista sometimes. But it's, it's called More Than Able. It says, when did I start to forget all the great things you did? When did I throw away faith for the impossible? How did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? And then it says, you are more than able four times. And the last line that really stuck with me is, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Thank you. Good morning. In some ways, this is scarier than what we just did. <laughs> um, so I'm Allison, and this is my daughter, Kira. I'm going to let her go ahead and share first. Hi, everybody. Um, my mom already said my name is Kira, and this is, like many of you all who went, this is my first mission trip also. I've gone on day trips, but I've never gone out of a country for a week before. 
And I just thought it was an amazing experience to just see how different people are. And um, one thing that Josh uh, was talking about uh, when we went to a park with the um, overhang thing, the children didn't, uh, most of them didn't know any English. And once we got there, they kind of like went off to the side a little bit and we're like kind of unsure what we were doing. And then once we started like pulling out soccer balls and pumping them up, and then we also had like a jumpy house or like a blow up slide like the one out there. Um, there was just this longest line of kids and it was just like, it's like they got the greatest gift they've ever received. But um, once the uh, story came, like we had a little uh, play that, the translators put on that kind of showed that um, God uh, forgives your sins and it like they like every person was a sin and then they were all tormenting this other person and then at the end G uh, the girl would like reach for Jesus and then uh, Jesus, the guy playing Jesus would just like reach his arms out like that and they would all just fall back. And I think all the kids loved it. And it was just amazing how um, into it they seemed. Like, they, like, seemed that they understood. And, um, like, it's just so, it's just amazing seeing so many young fa faces of kids just accepting God's word and just, like, I'm not sure how much they understood, but they were probably curious to know more and um, hopefully go to a church. So I, we had a little bit of an interesting experience and um, I kind of was in a different role this time. I've gone on a few other trips before and, you know, I, I really do have uh, just a, a excitement and joy to share with people and do trips like this. Um, so this was the first time uh, having my daughter with me, and so it was a little bit different, and um, just being the mom at some points, because she actually got sick um, a few days into the trip, and so that kind of derailed what I thought we were going to be doing, and um, it was pretty difficult to just kind of walk through that with her. Um, she recovered physically, but then, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things, and getting out there and talking to people, you know, it, it was really, really difficult um, to get back into it. So uh, I think I'm still kind of processing that part of it and kind of what, what um, impact that had. But I was just so encouraged when we were out there um, just seeing her. She's, she was just like, she was the one who said, Mom, I want to go on this trip when um, it was first announced. And so I was like, let's do it. You know, I was excited um, that she was just willing to get out there. Um, and so seeing that was really encouraging. And I just can't even tell you, the young people that we were with, um, you know, it was really neat just to see the next generation just stepping out there and they were doing it. And uh, just for me personally, I feel like, you know, we're still fairly new to the church. We've been here, you know, over a year, but connecting with people, you know, it takes time. We were at our previous church for many, many years, and so starting over um, is really hard. But being with this group 
and just seeing their love for Jesus and what they were willing to do, I just thought, man, these are my people. I love that they love Jesus and they are going out there and doing this. Um, so it was a privilege and it was absolutely wonderful. And thank you all for praying. Hi, I'm Kat. <laughs> um, first, well, I learned lots of things on this trip. I also learned stuff about myself. Like, I don't like to travel. Um, I'm a homebody. I got really sick yesterday. It was terrible. Um, going on this trip, I didn't really want to go. Jared just came up to me and was like, yo, I got no girl leaders. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll go. Um, so because of that, I kind of just put it off in my head. I remember texting my best friend and I felt really guilty because I was like, these people have a heart to evangelize and a heart to go on mission trips. And I'm just going because Jared was like, we need a leader. And I was like, okay, fine. So I didn't really go into this really wanting to share, um, share, evangelize, like street evangelize. I felt like that wasn't like my strength. I felt like my strength was, you know, doing, working with kids, being a youth leader. Um, but I realized that God calls everyone to evangelize. Um, he calls everyone to share his word. I had so many excuses. Pastor Elijah talked about Moses and how he also had many excuses. And I felt so useless. And in transparency, I kind of am useless because none of the stories I'm about to share, none of the stories that we shared is about what we could do. It's all about what God has done and what God is doing through us. Um, I'm still processing everything I've learned, um, but I think I can summarize it up by saying how powerful and transformative is the love and word of God. And I'm so humble and blessed that God would use me, someone who didn't even wanna go on this ship, um, who feels inadequate to be a part of his redemptive plan in these people's lives. Um, we went into a Chinese school and on the ship, like another thing I felt inadequate and why I don't like to travel is I don't know any Spanish. And like being, like if people, well, I remember I came back to America and I was like, oh, thank God, people are speaking English. <laughs> like it feels so great, cause like I knew nothing. Like I was just standing there, like I have no idea what's going on. So like most of the time I had no idea what was going on. I was just going with it. And we go to this school. I went to the Costa Rican school first and, and God is so good, cause we weren't supposed to go to those schools. And I was like, no, like that's the one thing I'm good at. But we were able to go to those schools. Um, I went to the Costa Rican school and then we went to the Chinese school. And like, they did not tell us we were going into a Chinese school. Or maybe they did and I just didn't know. But I like get into the school and I'm looking around and I look back at my translator and we had been joking like, oh, you're such a white girl, like you're so Americanized. So I look back at him and I'm like, and he's like, don't even say it. Like, I already know what you're gonna say. And I was like, there are Chinese kids here? I didn't even know that. Um, it was wild to me, cause I'm like so Americanized. Um, so we go, um, we do the bullying presentation, which is amazing. I got to share a bit of the gospel and how Jesus was bullied and how he took all that and he turned all that for us because he loved us so much. And then we leave and again, I have no idea what's going on. Like they're all speaking Spanish. I'm just standing there like, oh, that was cool. And um, the pastor is like, like he's tearing up and I'm like, oh, what's going on? And um, he says that that school, like they could not get into. He was like, it was like getting into Russia just now and like, they just, they weren't able to share the word of God there. That was the first time that they were able to share the word of God there. And I was like, whoa, like I, I was, it was just amazing. Like 
that God would use us to share the gospel to these kids who have never shared, the, never heard it before. And we were even able to go back on Friday. So we went, I don't know what day it was, but we were able to go back and share the gospel even more to this school where they had never heard the gospel before. And like, I guess there were some difficulties getting into the school and they were worried we wouldn't be able to get in and they were praying and they opened the door and it was God opening that door. Um, and I realized as I was street evangelizing, which I was like so terrified to do, um, that people are yearning for answers. They're hungry to know the word of God and they just don't know it. Um, and even though I may not enjoy traveling, um, I'm looking forward to going back into the mission field, whether it's here in America, where the same kind of people who are there yearning, hungry for the word are here in our own homes and our own communities. Um, or if it's on the next ship, El Salvador. Um, and I really hope to see you all there. And just thank you guys so much for all your prayers, all your donations. Like, it's just meant so much for us. Okay, thank you. All right, guys. Um, so as many many guys may not know this, um, but when I was nine years old, my sister died. And at her funeral, uh, my parents, uh, they let me pick one song to play at the funeral. And the song that I picked was uh, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And uh, it's a little bit of an older song, um, but the song says, uh, I want to see you, I want to see you. And the reason that song is so important to me is because my whole life, and especially since after my sister died, I've been asking God, I want to see you, God. I want to see you do things. I hear about all these amazing stories in the Bible and, you know, that other Christians have, and I just don't have that. Um, well, on the one of the last days, we had a little worship time in the movie theater, in the movie theater of a mall like it, it was very strange um but we had this worship time and the first song they played was open the eyes of my heart and i have not heard that song played live of course i've listened to it on my phone but live on my in person since my sister's funeral and so th there's no way that it's a coincidence that the last time I heard it live was at my sister's funeral, and then now I hear it on a mission trip. It's no coincidence, and that's all God. And you know, throughout all these stories, um, you can tell, like, we saw God, and I saw God this trip. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys. Okay, I think that's everyone, right? Okay, so now for uh, my 45-minute message this morning. <laughs> Why is everyone laughing? We can, we, can, we can hang with a Marvel movie for over three hours, but Jesus, two hours. <laughs> Anyways, hey, um, several things. I want to, um, this is the kind of church that I've always wanted to pastor.
I know that, you know, when I came in December 2009, when I was in grad school, I asked God for three things. I said, God, put me in a city, a big city, with a church that's racially diverse, where I could spend the rest of my life. And the chairman of the search committee of the church gave me a phone call. And I met him at a local Denny's in uh, Bakersfield, paradise on earth. <laughs> and uh, over French toast for two and a half hours, he told me all about the church. And I think I asked him probably 100 questions. Just He thought he was going to Denny's to grill me, but I was grilling him. And uh, learned a lot about the church. And I, I knew this was the church. This is where God wanted me to be. And I went back to my wife, who I, um, we had three little kids. You know, we, had four, we had four kids in five years. And uh, we had three little kids at the time. And uh, I was really restless. Um, God opened multiple doors for me to pastor different churches. I just, for whatever reason, they just didn't feel right. As believers, we don't put a lot of stock in feelings, but I just felt like the spirit was just like, assuring me, confirming to me, like, this is not where I want you to land. And um, there was one church that I really, really wanted to pastor. It was, uh, it was a church of, of about 500 people in uh, Fresno, California. And I just thank God that God called me to San Diego. And, um, but, but I remember going home. We had three little kids. And I told my wife, um, at some point, earlier that year, you know, babe, I was kind of feeling like God benched me. I kind of felt like Elijah, felt benched. And um, I told her, I said, you know what? We're just going to settle down. We're going to settle down. We're probably going to be here for another five years, uh, serving in a very large church, um, super awesome church. Um, And I said, let's, let's, let's buy a home. Let's try to, you know, get into the market, buy a home, let's settle down. And and, um, and deciding to stay there in Bakersfield, you know, we decided, well, we've got family here. Let's settle down by a home and, and let's have another baby. And so when I came back uh, to Candace, I think you were, babe, you were pregnant at the time, I think with Luke, right? I come home and I said, babe, um, I think God's calling us to San Diego. And so the house we were going to buy, you know, you're pregnant, um, we're moving. And so... I can honestly tell you, this, this is the church. This is the kind of church that I've always wanted to pastor. The, the health of a church is not in its seating capacity. We get so hung up on numbers, like Ethan said, you know, only eight kids raised their hand. Ethan, you're, you're going to have to battle that the rest of your life. I'm 43 and I'm still battling it. But the health of a church is not in its seating capacity. How many butts you can put in seats? It's in its sending capacity. The health of a church, the vibrancy of of a church is a church that's willing to go. A church that's willing to send. A church that has a heart for lostness. God's heart's for the nations, and we should have a heart for the nations as well. 
came across, came across this uh, quote by Tim Keller on the plane last night. I was listening to a podcast, and Tim Keller was a pastor in New York. He recently died. Um, such a phenomenal impact he had on, on our world, the evangelical church. He's written so many books. Um, the guy who wrote a recent um, a biography of Tim Keller, he said this, and I, I quickly wrote it down. And um, Tim Keller said, we collect the wood and put it in a pile, and we pray that the Lord will bring fire. And that really resonated with me on the plane as we were coming back to San Diego. We gather the wood, we put it in a pile, but God has to light the match. We are dependent upon the Lord for the Lord to open hearts, for the Lord to send revival. We're tools, we're instruments, we're finding the wood, we're collecting the wood, we're putting the wood in the pile, but at the end of the day, we are so dependent on God to do that work the work of transforming grace, the work that where the blinded eyes to the truth are open to the beauty of Jesus. And so I want to invite the band uh, to come up. We're going to sing. It's a little bit different today. If you're a guest with us today, you know, we typically do four songs uh, and then a message and then announcements and then we're out of here an hour, hour, 10 minutes. Today's a little different. So, uh, Come back next week, and then you'll, be, you'll see what a normal service looks like. Um, but I want us to sing together this morning. I want us to celebrate um, all that God has done. I want to give some, some thanks before we uh, start singing. Um, number one, I, I want to thank the Lord for giving all of us the opportunity to go on this trip. I want to thank all the young people, um, you know, high schoolers, young adults, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You know, when Isaiah got the vision, the glimpse of God, he said, here I am, send me. You said this week, here I am, send me. The fire that, that God lit on the wood this week in Costa Rica, God can light that same fire of wood with your oikos. Be bold, be winsome, be gentle, be compassionate, balance truth and love, but share Jesus because he's the only one that can change people's lives. I wanna thank Brad once again for being our leader. You did a phenomenal job, thank you. I, I, wanna, I wanna thank all of our adult leaders um, John and Priscilla and Allison. I think that's everybody, right, besides Brad. Um, Kat's a young adult, so I'm not going to mention her. I mean, you, she's an adult too, but um, thank you guys for stepping up to the plate and being chaperones, and man, love you guys so much. I want to I thank, yes. So I want to thank, uh, thank my wife, you know, um, it's been, a, it's been a hard summer. Haven't seen you a lot this summer. And uh, thank you for, thank you for uh, putting me on the post. Appreciate you. Um, and last but not least, to our church family. Uh, so many people on the team have said thank you. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. You, 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 you will never know 
how grateful we are. Our people, you gave. You gave, and we were able to send a team of 15 to Costa Rica. And so without you giving, it would be hard to go. It's hard to mobilize and get the funds for young people to go on a missions trip. So um, thank you for investing in things that will last forever. Thank you for investing in the kingdom, in souls, in lives that are transformed. Out of the 460 people that made decisions, it's like the sower of the seed. We don't know how many of those are genuine professions of faith. But I can guarantee you that there are so many decisions that were so authentic and so real. And not only is it gonna impact them, but I'm praying that it's gonna impact who they marry and the faith that they, they're gonna pass down to their kids and their grandkids. You know, we, we just think 460, but God does amazing math. And the multiplication of, of just that simple number is mind-blowing. So thank you, church family, for supporting. Thank you for praying. Honestly, Brad, I, I think we should go four trips next year. I, I think two's gonna fill up. I think two's gonna fill up. So, hey, I wanna encourage you to stand and uh, they're going to lead us in a song. I know, um, I know, um, what time is it, actually? Okay, it's 11.49. So this might be the longest service we've ever had. But that's okay, because we love Jesus, right? They're going to lead us in a song. Everyone, listen, I want to encourage you to sing. Um, I know so many people are like, I don't have a good voice. Who cares? If everyone sings loud... No one can hear anyone, right? So let's sing loud. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's sing loud. Let's rejoice in what the Lord has done. I'll come back up here real quick after the song, do a few quick announcements, and then, listen, we're going to get you out of here before noon. So, so you're not skipping lunch, all right? All right. You guys ready to sing loud? Okay, listen. You better sing loud. Let's go, man. Let's give it. Let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go.
Just like that song said, it says that our sin has been defeated. The message that we shared this past week is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is, um, is found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15. I want to read it for you real quick. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Really what he's saying is, I have delivered to you the greatest news in all the world. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That is the simple message of the gospel. The gospel is the life death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we shared that gospel message this week in Costa Rica, that there is a God, he is the creator of the world, but God is holy, and you can't get to heaven, there's no perdivita, right, perdivita. I've been struggling saying that this whole week, right? Uh, but you can't have pure life here. You know, the only way for you to be pure is you need Jesus. God is holy, he's the creator, and our sin separates us from God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, we're all sinners. And, and in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of all of our past mistakes and failures and shortcomings, God still loved us. In spite of our sin, 
God sent his son Jesus to earth on a rescue mission to come and to save us from our sins. Jesus died for every sin you've ever committed in your life and he was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the grave and we shared with Costa Ricans that they could be right with God through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only, you know, atonement, the substitute for our sins. And if you place your faith in Christ and you turn from your sins, you can have eternal life. I want you to close your eyes right now in this very moment. And, and I really want to challenge you right now. I want to challenge you. Maybe you're a first-time guest with us today and, and you've heard these stories and you just heard me share the gospel, the good news of God's saving grace. There's nothing you can do to be saved. You can't do it on your own. You, you, you can't be a good enough person. No amount of works is gonna get you to heaven. You absolutely need Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the God-man, fully God, fully man. He lived the perfect life that you could never, ever, ever live. And he died for you, and that's how much God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe today, if you're not a believer, maybe you're today, maybe today you're saying, you know, Pastor Elijah, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I've never surrendered my life. I've never committed my life to Christ. I've never recognized that I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm without hope and uh, I'm, I'm heading straight to hell. And I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I need God in my life. I want you to simply raise your hand right now, really high so I can see you. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Elijah, I want to surrender. I want to give my life to Jesus for the very first time. Is there anyone in, in this room this morning that'd like to give their life to Jesus? Let's pray.